Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. That's one of my favorite verses, uh, Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, actually. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I am your host, Sandra Flack. I'm a mom of eight, five through adoption. One came along as a kinship adoption, a relative, uh, and then four siblings adopted internationally, and two of them are diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. I share my family's adoption journey in my new book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It is available wherever you buy books. If you order from Amazon, it is there as not just the paperback, but also the Kindle version. After you read it, please go on back in there and leave a review. I greatly appreciate that. If you'd like a signed copy, um, which includes a special bookmark that I put in there, uh, you can order it from my website, sandraflack.com. My website uh, also features uh, my blog where I write to fellow foster and adoptive parents, especially moms. You can learn more about me, contact me for speaking opportunities in person or online, or uh, if you host a podcast, um, all the above. Uh, My uh, sandraflack.com website is also connected to our ministry website, justicefororphansny.org. And this podcast is an extension of the Justice for Orphans ministry. Now, November is right around the corner, and I have some exciting announcements. First of all, November is National Adoption Month here in the States, and we have some great podcast episodes lined up for you throughout November. I like to think we always have great podcast episodes, but we're really intentional about what we're doing in November. Mark your calendars on uh, Saturday, November 6th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can join us and see what God has done all around the world as we mark the 20th observance of Orphan Sunday with a global simulcast featuring Dove Award winner Mark Schultz. He's also an adoptee and an adoptive dad. So he's gonna provide some music, there's gonna be some inspiring testimonies and a whole bunch of other uh, good stuff, so uh, I hope you'll tune in. It's free to watch, just go to orphansunday.org to download the link. And that is, again, Saturday, uh, sorry, Saturday, November 6th at 9 p.m. Eastern, and the very next day, November 11th, sorry, November 7th, I'm all over the place, guys. Uh, I have a puppy, remember? Uh, November 7th is Orphan Sunday. And Orphan Sunday is the perfect opportunity for your church to stand for orphans and foster children, bring awareness to uh, the needs of foster and adoptive families, feature your church's orphan care or foster care ministry. If you're doing care portal or support group or whatever you do, there are countless ways to observe orphan and stand for 
to, to, to observe Orphan Sunday and Stand Sunday and stand for vulnerable children as the body of Christ. So go to orphansunday.org to learn more and to get the free downloadable link to the simulcast. Okay, now today's guest, Simon Ben, is an adult adoptee and the host of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. I've been a guest on the show. Uh, he offers inspiration for adoptive parents and adoptees. I'm so thrilled to have Simon Ben on this podcast. So, hey, welcome, Simon Ben. Hey, Sandra, how are you? I am good. We just had a whole conversation about how we are. So <laughs> so it's just great to connect with you again. I know I was on your podcast not too long ago and uh, just thrilled to be able to have you on mine today. Um, so without further ado, I love to get to uh, the beginning of the story, your journey. I know you were adopted as an infant. Yes. So. Would you hop up, hop, hop right and jump in and let us know what you remember about growing up? Did you know you were adopted? Fill us in. Yeah. So I was adopted at five weeks old and, uh, and I was told before I was two, uh, according to my mum and dad, uh, they were adopting a, a little girl. Um, and uh, so my who, the Penny, who became my little sister, um, she's not biologically related to me, obviously. Well, not obviously, but she isn't. Um, so they told me about being adopted to explain her arrival. Uh, they told me in a really lovely way with a book, um, a, a, a kid's storybook about a couple that got married and ended up adopting uh, a, a child or two child, you know, Miss, uh, Mr. Fairweather and his family, I think it was called which is out of print, I believe. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, what a beautiful way to do it, to normalize mm. it, to normalize it. So to tell a story and say, this is what, and you know, and this is how you came into our life as well. So uh, we had a good, I had a good childhood. Um, I had some issues at, you know, around being bullied a bit later on. Um, when I was 10, 12, 13, um yeah i i had uh i had bullying for all sorts of different reasons for being for having buck teeth so i used to suck my thumb a little bit when i was a kid and so i had i had teeth teeth, teeth that stuck out stuck out like a bug's bunny so i used to get bullied for that i got bullied for not drinking tea um on uh, yeah i i the worst bullying i had was on a, a scout camp when i was about 11. uh but nothing adoption related. Um, went in, went to, went to, into, went to college. Went into the family business. Found it a bit tricky working with my dad. But that was basically well, a lot of people found it tricky, tricky working with my dad. He was a tricky guy in some respects, and an inspirational guy in others. You know, um, so uh, yeah, he he drove everybody hard, and then was very inspirational as well. It was a little bit, it was a little bit tricky. Um, then I took over the, I took over the family business when mom and dad retired. And that was tricky. My, I found that, I found that hard and I had a lot of, cause so my whole sense of identity and self-worth was wrapped up in the business. And when I finally got to what I thought was a little bit of um, success, uh, I, 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 that didn't stop me worrying 
Mm. And um, around that time, within about a year's time or so, uh, a year of that, uh, I found out that my the teddy bear that I've had since I was a kid was from my birth mother. My first reaction to that was one of curiosity. I wonder why they didn't tell me. But then I was talking about this issue well, an issue. I was talking about the teddy bear with somebody um, a couple of months later, and I had this big uh, eruption of anger towards my birth mother. Um, so I, the, the words that came out of my mouth had a lot of swear words, which obviously I won't repeat on a family show. <laughs> but the essence was um, my mother didn't love me enough to keep me. She she gave me away, and and uh, and she gave me this consolation prize of this teddy bear and and you know and i was clearly very unhappy with this consolation mm. prize and the 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 lady that i was with that I was talking to um she said very gently like well i'm a i'm a mum uh simon and i don't think it would have been quite like that uh, and so my the volcano of the volcano of my anger immediately stopped um uh, so the lava started stopped spewing out of the top of the uh, the crater, but there was a, a little bit of um, smoke there, uh, mm. and um, so I went on a journey. I went. To, uh, I, I guess some people call it a midlife crisis inspired journey uh, to find happiness. So business hadn't made me happy, and an adoption had made me unhappy. Was the kind of thing narrative in my head and this is about 14 years ago and so i went on that journey i ended up selling my business i learned a load of stuff i've decided that i um i need to get out of my my, my business the, the the business model was kind of past its sell by date and i've been kicking it kicking the business for years to try and make it work for me so i decided i need to get out um i and that i wanted to help other people and and so that was yeah, a conversation that I was having with a, a coach one day. And so I got out of the business. And and since then, I've been trying different things. And the one that has stuck is this adoption space that I have came I came into in November last year. Uh, so about six years ago, um, I came to read The Primal Wound and uh, uh, and my mood had lifted, you know, I'd, I'd learned some stuff about how we work and about who we are and the fact that we are perfect, despite the voice in our head that tells us that we're not. So I'd done a lot of, lot of learning like 12, yeah, 12 years ago, and I was in a lot better space and I didn't have the, uh, you know, in terms of my self-worth, my identity, my self-esteem, all that sort of stuff. But then this primal wound book took me down. So, because um, I believed, I, I believed I'm quite as a sensitive kind of a guy. I, I'm quite suggestible. So I took on the messages that that uh, Nancy Verrier um, wrote about this primal wound, uh, and it took me down a bit. Not not too down. I was just it was like nagging stuff. It wasn't as bad as I'd been before, but it. it before I'd done my major learning, but it did take me down. And then when, so it's a bit like the, the, the metaphor I used to describe this, you know, if you've got, a, you've got a beach ball and you've got it in the sea 
and you push it down under the water. So it's resting on the top of the water, uh, the top of the, the the sea, and you push it down, and it and it and it goes down. But then, and so that's how the primal wound made me feel. Right, believing those things in primal, it pushed me down. And then when I realised it, that 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 who we are, uh, you know, the the human spirit is unwoundable um then my the, the bull shot up so the bull had gone down being pushed down about a foot but when it sprung back it sprung back about three foot so wow. I, I i was in a much better space when i saw the truth that we are we're not primarily wound, primarily wounded. Adoptees are not primarily wounded. It can feel that way, definitely. And I have felt that way. I have felt that way. I have, you know, in those in those moments, I, I've, I've felt those way. But but that just because I felt that way doesn't mean it's the mm, truth. That's right. Um, and uh, I, I, and that so that was that's kind of like propelled me into a, a, a much better space um, and also around that time I resumed my search for my birth mother and I ended up with my adoption file and in my adoption file was a letter from my birth mother to the adoption agency four days after she had handed me over about the teddy bear mm. and it was a letter saying to the lady that had helped her with her case her caseworker i guess is the jargon these days um that she wanted to buy david so she she named me david anthony flower um she wanted to buy she wanted to buy a teddy bear she wanted to buy me a teddy bear and she couldn't do she couldn't because the traffic was bad on the way to the appointment at the adoption agency she couldn't you know stop off at the shops and buy this teddy bear so could she do this you know would would the adoption agency would the caseworker ask my parents my adoptive parents if they would receive this teddy bear from me uh, from her for me and uh, you know i felt I, 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 my, as I read the letter, um, so this letter had, had been written 48 years before. She never, she'd never known that she was gonna, that I was gonna see it. Um, it had been in a, in a, um, maybe a slightly damp warehouse full of all documentation. It had a really musty, funny smell about it. It was handwritten, a couple of pages, and as I read the letter and I could just I could feel her love for me I felt mm. really connected to her um, I could feel her love for me and I also in her words I could feel her desperation mm. and her, and her, uh, her the desperation of her predicament of, about having to to, to um, uh, have me adopted because as I found out in the rest of the file she'd been going out with this guy for five months she'd got pregnant um 
and she told him and he didn't want to have anything to do with the baby um so she you know had a, obviously had a discussion with the parents and decided the best thing to do was to to have the baby adopted so it was all all the it was all the plans all the plans were in place before mm. before i was born so wow so many so many thoughts as an adoptive mom you know running through my head um one just curious so you had did you still have the teddy bear i still have it yeah oh my <laughs> oh how precious oh very precious so i mean that's that's incredible and you then you found out when you how old were you when you found out that your birth mom had 40, had 40 years old i was 40 when i found out that the teddy bear was from my birth mom. wow incredible but then all of those feelings of all of a sudden that rejection and well yeah it, it might I, I i try to explain this because it's kind of quite it's quite germane it's quite fundamental my initial reaction was curiosity hmm. my reaction two months later i think it was two months later relating the story to somebody else was anger right yeah. so it wasn't it went from curiosity to anger so this is kind of like well, not kind of it is totally fundamental it was the meaning i gave the event mm. it was yeah. the meaning my the first meaning that i gave it was that's interesting yeah i gave it no meaning two months later it meant everything so uh, you know when i say the the meaning i gave it uh, you know uh, it, it was my ego i think in the in the second in the second the anger came from ego you know kind of how dare she yeah what was wrong with me right she didn't love me enough right so that's that was that wasn't coming from who i am right that that that's that was that was coming from my ego rather than who I truly am. Mm. So, and and the 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 fundamental thing then for me is the meaning that the that that we give everything. Mm -hmm. So we were talking before about um, uh, my problems with. Uh, me and my wife's problems with a construction guy who was remodeling the house or putting an extension on the house. The meaning that, you know, I, I'm giving what he's doing meaning, mm -hmm. real bad meaning. So I'm not, I'm not you know, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm coming from, I'm coming from a, I'm, I'm coming from a dodgy place. I'm coming from a bad place. I'm coming from a, a victim place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, the biggest thing that um, that adopted kids need clarity on is is the meaning of that is the meaning of that adoption and the the fundamental issue that we all face i think as adopted people is this this is the is the feeling that we're not good enough. Mm. So the number one thing for adoptive parents, 
I mean, I did a, I did a podcast on, on this, this this afternoon, you know, this is why it's fresh in my mind. The number one thing for adoptive parents is that your adopted child needs to know for themselves in, in their guts, mm-hmm. right, in, right in their heart and in their soul, that they're, they're perfect. Mm. Wow, that is that is so true. Because and I write, I talk about this in my book. And I, I call it the orphan spirit. It's, it's believing something, right? That's, it's our, our perspective on how we are choosing to believe something. And I, and from my adopted children, um, you know, and, and children come into adoption or foster care for all different reasons, right? Um, and, and a couple of mine, uh, we have a sibling set adopted internationally. So the two older kids had been with the biological parents, but then um, sort of abandoned, neglected, and found, placed in an orphanage. Uh, And then the mom went on to have two more children, but when she gave birth, she left them or abandoned them in the hospital. And especially our two younger boys, um, you know, I, I see in them that a slightly different mindset of because they had been abandoned um, in a hospital and never had that nurture or love, you know, probably not even when they were in the womb, because I'm pretty sure mom knew she was in a desperate situation. She probably knew she wasn't going to be able to keep them. She didn't have the older two. Um, But but the younger two, their their perspective on things, I believe, can be more skewed by that abandonment and not feeling, you know, at their heart as wanted and loved. And and they take rejection, even, um, you know, even if I just say, for example, call, call, I'll call them to dinner, they're in their room. So I'll raise my voice and just yell for them to come to dinner. They perceive that as getting yelled at, that they're in trouble, that they did something wrong, or that they are something wrong. So you know, from the tone of my voice and how I give instruction, they don't do correction of any kind well, because they perceive that as a rejection of them. Uh, and then a, a, a very recent example that I observed is is my 15-year-old son. We just got a puppy. I mentioned, and I've talked about this recently on our podcast. So the new puppy comes, and she's 16 weeks old. But her, uh, the family that she was with, um, that we bought her from, the the mom, the female in the family, was the one taking care of the puppies. So this puppy kind of gravitated toward me more so than my son, even though the puppy is for him, because I'm I'm the female. I have that high pitched, you know, fun, playful voice when I'm playing with her, and my son has a deeper voice because he's a teenager and um, has much less patience. So she. She gravitates towards me right now more often, and he perceives that as as rejection. He he's come out and said she doesn't like me. The puppy hates me. The puppy doesn't want me. Now, two seconds later, the puppy's chasing him all over and licking him and and rolling around with him. But any time he felt like she wasn't paying attention to him, she was running to me. He perceived that as a rejection, and I I, I think that, like you said, it's so important as adoptive parents. We need to make sure that our children are, they need to know that um, they are perfect and they are loved and they are wanted, 
but they need to know it. We can't just tell them, right? They need to experience it. So it's our, as parents, pouring in that unconditional love and pouring in that nurture. And um, I I know another version of that is I I learned that with our son when we first brought him home from the orphanage, um, felt safety. So he was safe in our home and we knew we were not going to harm him and we were going to take care of him and feed him and this was gonna be good and better than an orphanage. But he didn't know that. At age five, he didn't know we weren't gonna hurt him and that this was gonna be better than what he knew. Um, We had to build trust with him so that over time we had to show and prove that we were safe, that we were gonna meet all of his needs, that he could trust us. So we couldn't just say, oh, you're safe here. He had to experience it and come to know he's safe. And with our kids, you know, we can say, I love you to our kids, which is wonderful, but we have to, they have to experience that love over time and intimacy and and, and within a relationship because it's the, a relationship is where they were hurt. um, And it's in that relationship where they, that will be rebuilt. So I love what you said about kids need to know they need to know they're loved and valued and perfect and that there's not anything wrong with them because they were adopted or because they were in this situation um, because it's it's vital to their identity. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of things on that is really that there's a, there's a, there's a scale of sensitivity. Mm. There's a human scale of sensitivity. Yeah. And I, I know non-adoptive people i know adopted people that are ahead of me on that scale they're more sensitive than me i know adopted people that are less sensitive than me i I also know non-adopted people that are more sensitive than me (laughs) i'm not it's it's a human issue Mm. it's not always an adoption issue Right, right. And I so, think it's it's how life kind of, uh, for me, I, I was, uh, my parents divorced when I was little and my father abandoned our family, my biological father. So um, he, he basically moved to another state, married somebody else. And I saw him on occasion throughout my, my, my young life, but um, that triggered abandonment and rejection issues in me, even though I had my mom you know, and I had other family members, but to me, it was the dad, you know, that, you know, I felt abandoned by him. And that affected me for a long time. I, I had a self, uh, self-confidence self issues. I was very shy. I didn't feel valued. I didn't feel like I was ever good enough uh, or wanted. Uh, so, and, I, and it was really, um, and I talk about this in my book too, but it was really, um, you know, my faith in the Lord and then my husband who showed me that unconditional love of like, like, like I liken it to like our heavenly father, you know, that, that perfect love, that unconditional love. I experienced that. Um, and that changed everything. So yeah, it's, it's not necessarily just an adoption issue. Um, but at the heart of who we are, if there's been any abandonment or neglect, uh, or, or if we perceive something as abandonment, you know, it's it, it, it's it 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 hurts. It is, you know. Um, 
I, this is this is the the you know it's where the rubber meets the road. So for me, there's three the the three fears that everybody has. Everybody uh, is to a lesser or greater extent um, public speaking, mm-hmm. death, and not being good enough. Mm. So the the joke about the first two is is that you know a, a, a comedian I can't remember American comedian saying he was talking about this and he said so so most of you or X percent of you would rather be in the coffin with John instead of John it was John's funeral um, uh, rather than being me giving the eulogy mm-hmm. this is how this is kind of like how nuts you know yeah. uh, the 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 human beliefs seem to seem to be right but this not good enough that mm. the the, the uh, our self of our sense of self-worth our view of ourselves our self uh, you know how what we see ourselves and um are you a, a catholic I'm not. Okay. So I believe that every Catholic believes that um, we're born sinners. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to be Catholic to believe that. Yeah. But they, they, that that's the message that mm. they say. So, um, is it any wonder that we don't think that we're good enough? Right. Yeah. But, you know, adopted kids have got the best, the most compelling, compellingly believable, logical reason to believe that they're not good enough mm. because they were relinquished by yeah. the person that should have kept them. Right. So, but just because it's the most compelling reason don't mean it's true. That's right. That's right. But that they is have so to true. See that, you know, they have to see that for themselves. Yeah. So, you know, when I was doing the podcast earlier on, I, I, I was, uh, I was talking to an adoptive mum. I was interviewing her, and I was saying, so how do we get, how do we get our kids to see this? She got four kids as well, four adopted kids, two biological kids, one, and um, so we talked, we talked about that, and she was also a, a counsellor. Um, we talked about that. And she she was talking about honesty, and um, it, it was it was very she, she she couldn't she she didn't have a she's a therapist and she told a story and um, in the in the story the the boy she was doing the therapy session with got it and and he 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 cried with relief like i cried with relief about my the reading the letter but she in a in a therapy setting so in a therapy setting she can obviously do this but in a conversation with me she couldn't she couldn't come up with any ideas and so i ended up coming with the i ended up coming with the ideas it's tough it's tough but you know she's a therapist she's used to doing it in that setting she's clearly but she couldn't and so I, I, I came up with some ideas 
two or three different ideas as we spoke. And I encouraged the listeners, doctor parents listening, to put their thinking caps on, put their creative thinking caps on. And, uh, and I put a post on it on, on Facebook, you know, the number one thing that, that as an adoptee, I think adoptive parents should be doing is coming up with as many different ways for their child to see for themselves that they're perfect, to see their perfection for themselves. Mm. There's nothing, and 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 I, I this clearly it goes for every child. Yeah, but but, but most kids don't have that. Um, you clearly went through it, but mo most kids don't have that idea that they're um, damaged, damaged goods. Fun, you know, fun, and and we've got this whole, you know, we've got this whole, tr you know, this whole thing around primal wound. We've got this whole trauma obsession, and and it becomes, you know, I've been, I, I I've made the trauma snowball. You know, mm -hmm. I talk about I, I, one of my metaphors. I talk about this trauma snowball. I did this, or my ego did it, whatever. You know, I, 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 um, I, I scooped up a load of trauma like a like some snow from the from the ground. I I made it into a ball, an A-shaped ball between my palms, and then I rolled it along the 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 the, the, the snow, and I made it worse. Mm. Uh, so I, I know that the trauma, I know that the, I've never been that far down the trauma, trauma rabbit hole, but I know it just gets darker and darker and darker. And we've got all these people um, warning us of the darkness. And you now we've got a trauma obsession. We need to be trauma informed, but mm -hmm. hope obsessed. Oh, and I love that. I love that trauma informed and hope obsessed. You know, and 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 you clearly gather a lot of your hope from from from, from your religious, from your belief, from from Jesus, yeah. from from, from yes. God. You know, I'm not a religious guy, but I'm a I'm a I'm a hopeful guy. Yeah. Yeah, well, and 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 go back, going back to the three fears that you were talking about: public speaking, death, and the fear of not being good enough. I remember growing up, and I was painfully shy. I would not. Uh, I remember skipping high school English class when there was an oral book report due because I was not going to be speaking in front of people. I was very insecure, um, and and like look at what we're doing now, right? <laughs> Hosting yeah. podcasts, I speak, uh, you know, publicly all the time. I've been on, you know, radio and um, speak in churches and things. Um, so, but I'm only really able to do that because, uh, because I've come to that, you know, hope place where I know I'm valued um, in the eyes of God. I know that I am good enough. And there are days where I, you know, I don't, you battle that, right? Not feeling good enough. It's, it's, it's really a lie from the enemy. Um, but, but I, you know, in, I always go back to scripture and I focus on verses that, you know, that, 
that remind me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am uh, dearly loved. I am chosen, right? I am made in the image of God. Uh, so, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a purpose. God created me with a purpose. Um, so I focus on those things and, and I choose to believe the truth in, in those things and not how I'm feeling, you know, on a, on a given day or um, if somebody treats me badly or says something, you know, that could send me back into thinking, oh, I am not good enough, you know, um, focusing on the truth, focusing on the hope. Um, I really like that. Yeah. See, I, I, I think that most people say if, if life's, life's like, uh, uh, you know, walking a trapeze. And, and most people don't know there's a safety net. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 I've, I've fallen and bounced back. So right. I know there's a safety net. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my mentors have fallen a lot harder and a lot farther than me. And then they found the safety net. And so the safety net is for, you know, for, for some people, it, it's God, they found, they found their safety net in God. Mm. And for some people, they found the safety net, you know, they've, they've, they've discovered who they truly are. Uh, um, and who we truly are is, is that kind of like fundamental, fun, that fundamentally unwoundable spirit, you know, so spiritual uh, spiritual beings having a human experience. Uh, so before we talked, before we talked, I was um, grumbling, complaining, venting about the about the construction work. Right, that, mm -hmm. the the pain is in the pain is in the human experience. Life is a contact sport. You're you know the the tricky stuff you went through with your with your dad abandoning the family and going off to the next day and stuff like that. that's that's all in the that's all in the human experience um but and, and but most of us most of the time me included right mm -hmm. are focused in on that human experience rather than the spiritual being that we are and right. and, uh, and 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 the, the, that that's that's knowing that safe, you know, to use a religious word, I, I guess, uh, knowing, knowing who we truly are, it, it is my, my saving, mm. is my saving grace is, you know, that my savior, whatever. Yeah. But uh, human beings, we seem to be all focused. We're all focused on that. Yeah. We're all focused on the, the, you know, the, the, the life that is the contact sport. Um, and this contractor being, a uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to swear on, on, on your <laughs> so, um, but you know, that, but I, you know, I, we talked before, you know, uh, about, uh, the idea popped into my head that, you know, what if I could love him uh, mm. that a couple of, a couple of, uh, a couple of months ago. Um, but as I said, that, that idea is there, but it's not got really strong roots. So, 
Yeah, yeah. And we talked about it. It's, 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 it is much harder to love those who, it's easier to love those who love you and harder to love those who are persecuting you or you feel that are mistreating you. And, but that is what God calls us to do. Um, but I don't think we can do it on our own. We, we really need to trust the Lord to, to strengthen us and help us to do that. And I have found that to be a prayer, you know, that I've prayed, Lord, help me to love this person like you do because I don't feel like it, right? We can't base it on those feelings. We can't believe the feelings. We have to believe the truth of who we are, right? Um, so I do want to, I want you to tell us a little bit about your Thriving Adoptees podcast. Sure. So um, last November, I was talking to one of my mentors and I'd been in, uh, I'd done a lot of work in elementary schools inspire nothing to do with adoption inspiring kids to inspiring kids to make their dreams come true helping them understand who they are helping them understand where their feelings come from um immunizing them against bullying so moving them you know in any class there's the sensitive kids like i was and there's the thick-skinned kids like i wasn't and uh, you know and i would move kids from the thick-skinned class sorry from the from the from the i would thicken the kids skins i would help them become make them immune to bully so i've been doing that for seven years and couldn't get interested yeah couldn't really get that scaling took that pretty personally actually because all the schools say that the, the kids have they say that anti-bullying is their number one concern the kids happiness is their number one aim and yet they didn't they didn't um uh, open their doors to me with a solution that was proven to do this, I, I took that pretty, took that pretty purpose. Um, uh, I took that pretty personally because I believe that people should do what they say they're going to do, mm. uh, and they uh, a lot of you know the the it's not the school's fault really because the system's set up set up to focus on academic results rather than happiness, right, um, and. They kind of know that the happiness leads to better results, but they don't know it deeply enough to do something about it. Anyway, so this mentor of mine said, "Look, Simon, you've been around us for a while, and you seem to be very frustrated about what's going on, and um, you're not getting anywhere. Is it time to go back to the drawing board?" And uh, and as soon as she said that, I saw the truth in that. And uh, and decided that I was going to go into the adoption space and find my space in, mm. in that. And I started guesting on podcasts. And I I was talking to somebody, another mentor, one day in, in April. She said, "It's time to do your own podcast, Simon." I said, "No, it's too much thrash." And did it. She said, "Just do it." And I went, "Okay." <laughs> um, and since since then, I've been meeting. I'm, I'm, uh, since since then, I've been um, interviewing fantastic people like you, and and having a, really enjoying my enjoying my days. Uh, and I've found that the doors open a lot easily. Whereas when I was doing the the kids stuff, the the doors didn't open, mm. uh, you know, easily at all. But in this adoption space, the curiosity of adoptive parents, um, their 
curiosity of adoptees, I guess, as well, means that I, I, the doors open and I'm welcomed in. We have great have great conversations and we hopefully do some inspiration and and uh, and changing people's helping people to new perspectives i saw a great was it, i listen because i consume a lot of podcasts as well i listen to a lot of podcasts as well as well as producing producing them um i heard a great a, a rugby guy a Brit, an english rugby guy saying he's written a, a, a book he's got an autistic kid and he's retired now he's a coach and uh, and he's 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 written a book a, like a kind of self-help leadership kind of book and he says it's harvesting and it's, there's a lot of interviews in it and he says he's harvesting the collective wisdom and i thought that's great i'm going to use that um, <laughs> yeah harvesting the collective wisdom that's what the thriving adoptees podcast is all about mm. it's 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 harvesting the creative wisdom so you're harvesting my wisdom you're asking me questions when you're on my podcast i was asking you questions you're intrigued to know what an adult an adult adoptee's view of the world i'm intrigued to to to, to um ask you about your adoptive mom's experience of, of the world and we share we shared the inspiration and, and hopefully we shared the empowerment the empowerment in the in the in the minds that shift you know in the new perspectives that um that are seen by uh, or heard by the listeners i get well, can you hear a perspective i don't know <laughs> you, you do on a podcast um you see things differently it's all about seeing it's all for me when i saw how wrong i was about my birth mother Mm. Right, when when I saw that, when I saw how wrong I was believing that I was fundamentally believing that I was primarily wounded, when mm. I saw that I'm fundamentally unwoundable, spirit, who we truly are, isn't a thing. If it isn't a thing, I, I've got a pen in front of me listeners right if if this was a knife i could i i I could cut my arm here um but i couldn't cut spirit because it's it's not a thing it's Mm. immaterial it it, it's a it's a spirit and, and that's who we truly are underneath everything so um so it's everything is and so that the thriving adoptees podcast is is harvesting the collective wisdom to help listeners to new insights because insights insights change our world not strategies we've got an obsession with strategies and hacks and behavior and tips and ways of doing this and da, 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 and all this different thing the internet is stacked full of them Mm-hmm. And I've fallen for most of them too. <laughs> but what changes our world is when we see it differently. When we see it differently. So I'm all about helping people see it differently by helping see different people's perspectives. And it's not about my perspective. It's about your perspective, sharing your perspective, what you've learned, mm-hmm. propelling people on their own learning curve in exactly the same way as I'm sure you're doing. 
Mm. Well, I love that. So tell us where we can find your podcast. It's everywhere. Thriving Adoptees. Thriving Adoptees. My um yeah, it's it's on iTunes. It's 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 everywhere. Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, all of them. Uh, and it's also thri- so thriving adoptees is the um, is 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 my website too as well. So okay. thrivingadoptees dot com, uh, and you know it, it, the the web the you can you can uh, listen to the podcast on the website as well. So. If you just put thriving adoptees into Google, I, I've never done that. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I, 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 you want to, you're going to check it out. I, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to do that. You're going to do we, it. And we're going to we're going to make sure that we put links to your website and your podcast in the show notes for our podcast today. So our listeners can easily find you. Did you find yeah. yourself? <laughs> yeah, um, I did. I'm number one. That's good, isn't it? You're number one. You are number one. Trauma-informed and hope-obsessed. I love it. Thank you so much, Simon, for sharing your story and for just candidly sharing from your heart your experiences. And and um, just so grateful to have you on there. Thank you for your amazing podcast and all the inspiration that you're bringing to adoptive parents and adoptees. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Same here. Thanks, Simon. And thank you for listening. I hope you were inspired by today's episode. Um, Very interesting perspective when we can hear from an adult adoptee uh, and just how our different life experiences uh, really impact how we see ourselves, how we see the world around us, um, and how just each, just like as adoptive parents have different experiences and and, and really just the, the, the different children. I know as a mom of eight kids, all eight of my kids are different. My five adopted children, um, although they are all adopted, they're unique. What brought them into uh, our home, those things that unfolded, uh, that brought them into our family. Um, there, there was pain and there was loss. Um, there was, you know, the, the, the difficult and the messy. But the one thing that is consistent is each one of them are valued and precious and dearly loved and made in the image of God and chosen and wanted. And each one has a story written by God right? God has written all of our days down in his book before a single moment has passed. Uh, We have a kingdom purpose assigned to us by him. And when we are believers in Christ, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Uh, So there's such great hope. And I love, I I, I love what, um, I can't get that thought out of my head, what Simon just said about being trauma informed. Yes. And I talk on this show also a lot about being FASD informed. Yes, those things are vital as we slog through the day-to-day hard stuff, but hope obsessed, right? And, And when you know where your hope comes from, right? My hope is in the Lord. I hope yours is too. That's where our hope comes from. That's where the truth comes from. That's where we know who we are. And when we can, when we can, pour that into our children and let them know 
that they are valued and loved and, and not just say it. I think sometimes we forget that, you know, just like telling our kids, you're safe, you're safe. I have you now in my home. You're safe. We're going to take care of you and everything's going to be better. They're not going to believe that because by experience, they haven't felt safety. But over time, as they experience safety, they feel it, then they believe it. So not only do we have to say with our words that we love our kids, they're special, they're valued, but in our day-to-day, building that relationship with them, investing into their lives, showing them and demonstrating, and it takes time in a relationship, right? But letting, uh, pouring into them, and there will come a time where they know that they are dearly loved and wanted and precious. Uh, And I talk a lot about that in my book because in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father, um, I I tell our adoption story and how all of our kids came home and what that was like for us as parents and and how our family changed and all of that. But then after all of our kids were home, God began to show me some things like the parallels between the physical adoption of children into our homes and families and the adoption of us into God's family. There are parallels, and I outline those parallels. And then there, um, I also came to recognize this mindset, you know, which is a little bit like what, what Simon and I were just talking about, but this mindset, this belief system, and we can have an orphan spirit mindset. And you don't have to have been an actual orphan or kid in foster care to have an orphan spirit mindset. I had one, um, which came really from my parents being divorced and my father abandoning our family. And that affected how I saw myself, that I was rejected, abandoned, not good enough, unwanted, unlovable. Uh, and, and it affected you know most of my life until not only did I come to come to accept Christ, but not just then, but over time, as I began to have a relationship with the Lord and experience him and come to know him personally. And then also my husband demonstrating the unconditional love of God to me. I was loved like I had never been loved before. And, you know, God used those things in my life to bring healing of the orphan spirit mindset so that now I do know, I know the truth that I am loved and I am wanted and I am cherished and I am valued and I am chosen, right? And all of those things I've been talking about throughout this whole, this whole episode. And I talk about them in my book, but there are days I don't feel like it, right? We, there are days where things happen or somebody says something to us or we get corrected or criticized or somebody makes a nasty comment or something we're trying to do just, you know, we fail miserably at and we're left feeling, you know, like we're flawed and and, and useless and a failure. And, you know, we have all of those lies of the enemy coming at us to try to get us to believe that we're not who we really are. And when you know who you really are and you can go back to the word of God and go back to knowing what God says about us in his word, that's the truth. Whether we feel like it on any given day or not, that's the truth. So I know that I am no longer an orphan. I am adopted into God's family. I was chosen 
I am dearly loved. I have a kingdom purpose and God will never leave me or forsake me. And he's with me every day, equipping me, guiding me, showing me the next step. I have a destiny. I have a purpose. I'm not perfect in any way. I'm not perfect, but yet my heart is to serve God, to say yes to him and to walk out what he's called me to do in my life. And I want to do that because I love him and I want him to have the glory for that. Um, but it's, 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 you know, that's what our conversation today has been about. So I, I hope that you were inspired by that. Uh, and again, thank you for being with us today. Remember, uh, check out all of our September FASD episodes and uh, justicefororphansny.org has a whole resource page for um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, which is a very relevant topic to uh, adoptive and foster families. Uh, and also my my website, my personal website, sandraflack.com. I blog, a lot of my blog posts recently have to do with uh, homeschooling and educating our our children who have special needs, um, developmental disabilities, our children that have come into our homes through adoption and foster care. Um, so that is on there. Uh, mark your calendar again for the 20th Observance of Orphan Sunday. It is a global simulcast at 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, November 6th. Uh, and then the very next day, Sunday, November 7th is Orphan Sunday. For more information about that, to, to download the free link to the simulcast, just go to orphansunday.org. Be sure to check out my social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook at Sandra Flack. Also, I have a Sandra Flack author page. Instagram, I am at Sandra Flack underscore JFO. And this ministry, Justice for Orphans, has a Facebook and an Instagram page as well. So thank you again for listening. If you stay to the very end, I so appreciate you and I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of Orphans No More. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.